Today's scripture message comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through, spirit, through, through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And all God's people say, Amen. Well, uh, my name is Minu Kim, associate pastor here, and please join me for a quick prayer. Almighty God, we give you thanks for gathering us here this morning, not just here in person, but also those who are joining us online. As we listen and as we reflect on your message, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, uh, uh, as Pastor uh, Spencer mentioned uh, in children's message, today's scripture uh, comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And unlike most letters in the New Testament, which uh, Ephesians was written to no specific church, but it was written uh, for groups of churches to read together. This letter's main concern is the unity of the church, especially between Jewish Christians and Gentile, the non-Jewish Christians. And Paul's message of unity is much more than let's just get along speech. Paul describes his message for unity as the mystery that was revealed to him and the other apostles by God. This mystery is that believing Jews and Gentiles are now one in the body of Christ. And this is not merging of two existing groups, but it is a formation of a something entirely new, a new creation called the church. And Paul's reason for this unity is exemplified through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul explains how his task given to him is to let this mystery known to all, not just those within the church, but beyond. Again, this mystery, according to Ephesians, is God's restorative plan to gather all things together in Christ, both the reconciliation between heaven and earth 
or God and humanity, humanity, God and creation, and also the reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles or the people of God and the rest of the nations. In today's scripture, in verse 18, Paul uses the language of the church to comprehend, have the power to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And this beautiful language of the breadth and length and height and depth is really talking about this mystery that is beyond our comprehension. And here, Paul, our, our, our translation uses the word, the verb, compre- to comprehend, which means that we are, we are able to, under, we have to understand it all. And then it no longer becomes a mystery. So the, 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 the more accurate translation here is to grasp, to accept it, knowing that it is beyond our knowledge, yet with faith, claiming as good news. And throughout the rest of today's scripture message, Paul prays for three things. Paul, first, Paul prays for our inner beings to be strengthened so that Christ may dwell within us through faith. Second, Paul prays for us to be established in love so that we might be able to grasp the scope of God's amazing love which surpasses our knowledge. And third, third Paul prays for the church to be filled with God's fullness, with all God's light, love, wisdom, holiness, power, and glory. And this threefold threefold prayer references what we have been talking about throughout our stewardship campaign all month. The idea of us being rooted and grounded in love, like a tree planted by water. The idea of us being connected to Christ, to the point of Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith, like branches to the vine that bears fruit. And the idea of our gifts being given to God, given, given to us by God to be cultivated and multiplied abund- abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, like the good and trustworthy servants from the parable of talents. Now, today's scripture reading is our prayer, not simply for these gifts gathered, but much more so for us people gathered in unity, that through our gathering in joy and gratitude, Paul's prayer might be realized and accomplished through the hands and feet of St. Stephen's, sharing this mystery of the gospel to all people beyond our church. Therefore, what we are celebrating today on this Commitment Sunday is not the commitment of our giving, but really the commitment of our lives to live as God's new creation, as the church, the body of Christ. It is this commitment that influences our approach to giving. Money is a powerful tool, and we humans are prone to view money as the primary source of security. Money, which is visible, provides a sense of certainty, and we, we all know how uncomfortable we are with uncertainties. 
So our human desire for certainty is often satisfied with the sense of security that comes from having money and accumulating wealth. In our consumer-driven culture, our approach to giving is frequently influenced by this reality. Giving is not typically intended to put our financial security at risk. Instead, it often aligns with the following motives. We give if it offers personal benefits. We give if there's something extra. We give out of sense of obligation or guilt. And we give with an anticipation of receiving something in return. When these are the, the only motivations of giving, the focus of celebration tends to be on the amount given rather than the genuine heart behind that giving. But for, for, but for us as members of the body of Christ, our confession is that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate source of security. This confession affirms that we have been adopted into God's new creation, not through our merits, but through God's generosity. And this confession celebrates the certainty of knowing the invisible God as our Father who art in heaven. And this confession comes only through faith in Jesus Christ, who makes known to us the mystery of the gospel. And accordingly, those who share in this confession have a heart filled with joy and gratitude, which influences our approach to giving. As recipients of God's generosity, we cannot help but to become people of generosity. Thereby, our act of giving becomes a form of resistance, recognizing that we cannot serve two masters. Our act of giving becomes a form of devotion, trusting God as the provider of all good things, regardless of our situations. Our act of giving becomes a form of discipleship, maturing in our call to live in connection and community with one another by blessing others and being blessed by others. And our act of giving becomes a form of ministry, joining with Jesus in bringing good news to the poor, proclaiming release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and setting free those who are oppressed. In sum, our act of giving is a dramatic statement of faith. Today's scripture reading closes with a climatic conclusion, with Paul's reminder that the power of God is at work in the church filled with Christ, and how God's immeasurable power is capable of, think, of things beyond imagination or our petitions. And this is followed by the praise of glory, glory in the church, glory in Jesus Christ, and glory through all the generations. Without context, this all sounds triumphant and pompous. Here, how, here, however, we must remember that this letter to the Ephesians was written from prison. 
The recipient of this letter very well knows the consequence of Paul's effort to share this mystery, which was suffering. In this place of humility, Paul is encouraging the church by praising God's glory, reminding the church of the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul writes, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because my sufferings for you, which are your glory. The path to unity, the ministry of reconciliation, a call for peace are all very, very costly. Yet this is what the church is called to live out. Because the church is the body of Christ, made with those who have been adopted as God's children through Jesus Christ, who himself became our glory and our peace through the blood, of Je- blood on the cross breaking the barrier between God and us and destroying the wall of hostility between us and them. So we must remember that the commitment we are celebrating today is ultimately the commitment, our commitment to follow Jesus Christ towards the cross, not only to be recipients of great goodness, God's goodness, grace, and peace, but also to be agents of God's goodness, grace, and peace to all. In the past year, I learned that our church, St. Stephen's, has a tradition of coming forward to drop off their prepared commitment cards. And when I first heard of this, I thought it sounded very, very much like an altar call which is rarely seen in the United Methodist Church. But as I think about it more and more, I realize that it is an altar call, that we are coming forward to make our commitment, our personal commitment to follow Jesus Christ as our response to God's amazing love. I hope I'm not scaring you by calling this an altar call. I pray that God, the ultimate source of our security, would bless the hearts that are making their commitments this morning and also bless those who are not yet ready to make their commitments. I pray that God would fill all of us with the full comes from God alone so that our lives gathered together as church would reflect God's goodness, grace, and peace to those around us. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.